Hello everyone, my name is Sagar J. Kamnani and you're listening to the Sentunes Podcast, where we listen to it so you can enjoy it. Specifically, you have tuned into another episode of The Classics, where one of us does a deep dive into a critically acclaimed album from more than a few years ago that brought something new or influential to the landscape of music. Today we will be going back to, well, uh... (laughs) I, I wasn't even born at the time, but we're anyway going to go back to the summer of 1984. And no, we are not doing some Orwellian shit. We are going to talk about Purple Rain by Prince and the Revolution. So seeing as how I was just born 10 years after this album came out, uh, for, for today's intro, I'm going to go over how this album just became a part of my life in general. Um, now, in no way will I pretend to be some expert on Prince or even know his discography as much as I have the other classics artists that I've reviewed, such as The Weeknd and Kid Cudi, but um, there is a story here. So, I guess it all started when my dad would drive me to school and listen to his 80s, 90s radio channel that definitely played the biggest hits of those decades. Um, This is kind of the same way my dad got me into Michael Jackson's music at a young age, but uh, obviously the purple one himself showed up every now and then. So really, the biggest memory here is my older immigrant father, dancing and singing horribly in the car to Prince's Kiss in a heavy accent, and just having a blast, which confused the hell out of me. I think those of you with immigrant fathers will probably know that feeling, where it's just kind of weird to see them having fun or being fun, Uh, but I ignored it, and I I built a preference for MJ at the time because um, I raided my dad's old CDs and the best ones I could find for my uh, CD player disc man thing, weird times I know, were um, MJ's bad and dangerous albums. So in my music catalog at the time, I only knew Prince singles as opposed to knowing entire MJ albums. But um, one fateful night in 2005, I had another Prince encounter that I'm always going to remember. Um, Batman Begins trailers were out, uh, Christopher Nolan's trilogy, and um, it was to be, I, I didn't know it back then, I was too young, but now it is like my generation's Batman. He's, um, you know, Christian Bale is the definitive Batman of my generation, so in preparation for that, my uh, my dad thought it'd be fun to watch his generation. He, he thought it'd be fun to watch the original Tim Burton 1989 movie. Now, a lot of people forget about this, but Prince actually did the music for this movie. This became especially apparent. I remember seeing it in the credits, and I was like, that's weird. Um, But then it became really obvious in scene where um, Joker crashes a party. So, uh, the scene is... Jack Nicholson's Joker out of makeup, crashing a party, and um, starting to dance, like, laughing gas the whole nine yards. Um, Obviously, Nicholson's charisma as a more comedic and more subtly sadistic Joker had a lot to do with the scene, but, jeez, I gotta tell you, the Prince number here, Party Man, 
really sold that scene into being extremely memorable and dynamic for me. It's, um, it almost felt like, like a celebration of dangerous <laughs> criminal activity that Joker was going through. Um, it's like that feeling where the night might be getting weird for people, but it isn't noticeable to most of the party yet. And there's a wheel deal with it later type of situation, uh, which, which is sort of an idea we'll definitely come back to. But, um, as time went on, basically, you know, grew older, started getting used to more pop culture. My exposure to Prince kept going, uh, including the <laughs> hilarious, hilarious, uh, Dave Chappelle Prince sketch. And, um, eventually I sat down and watched his Super Bowl performance after the first time I, in college, I actually sat down and watched the Super Bowl with friends because, those of you who know me, I'm not really much of a football guy, and um, since uh, since college, it's just been you know Super Bowl every now and then. But uh, yeah, eventually I watched a Super Bowl performance. So I kind of got into this pattern where Prince's music always seemed to find me when I didn't expect it, and then I realized that I needed it. Um, for example, I I watched this Super Bowl performance. The morning of my first solo dance performance at my college for a charity event. Um, I performed solo in high school before, but that was my last year of high school. Um, this performance, I had just joined Greek Life, so this is my first time representing, you know, my fraternity at an event, representing, you know, dancing for charity all by myself on a stage in front of a bunch of people that had never heard of me before. And watching one man absolutely own an entire stadium present himself as a pure entertainer, almost almost like a guide to to fun. It gave me all the confidence I needed to step out of my shell in college for really the first time. And another incident like this came about a year and a half later when Prince unfortunately passed away very young. This album the album itself, Purple Rain, it came back into the Billboard charts, and as a college senior struggling with a really bad episode of depression, I finally sat down, listened to this album in all of its entirety, focused on nothing else, and I, I, <laughs> I was blown away. This album is such a positive experience. It's it's pure euphoria. Um, reports often said that when Prince was putting music together, he would weirdly, like, barely sleep and be almost entirely focused, almost losing himself in the music. Um, and I firmly believe music is one of the best things that humanity has ever created. And it seems like Prince took that belief and dialed that to 15 because this album while not outwardly being about depression or sadness like like the previous ones I reviewed, like House of Balloons, like Man on the Moon, uh, this album right away acknowledges that shit sucks. Um, first track right away, um, he's just talking about, you know, we all feel sad about this thing called life, but there's this other thing. There's there's an afterlife. It's not necessarily when you die. There's but there's life outside of this. The whole point of this album is that we're all going to die someday. None of us can escape that. So while we're here, 
and while we're all struggling, we absolutely should do things like dance and sing, have fun, um, you know, rebel. Simply put, this this album's rock and roll. There's there's no if you have to sum it down to one thing, this album's rock and roll. It it almost has a footloose esque vibe to it in the sense that it proves music, dance, art. It makes us happier, better people. And uh, without further ado, I am ready to dive into the tracks. So, we played it earlier, but we immediately start with Let's Go Crazy. Um, and like I mentioned in that, he is specifically talking about, well, going crazy. Um, and it's it was one of the singles of this album when it first came out i believe it was the second single and it just it hits right away there's there are ways to open an album and this this is a great example of that um it you know it starts he starts off like like i mentioned it's it's almost like he's like a religious leader he's like a clergyman in a sermon like taking guiding these people into into something that I guess into this belief that like it's okay to let loose right now. Like, let's go crazy, let's get nuts, like it let's all just have fun. And by the way, if you haven't seen I believe it was Bruno Mars's rendition of this song at a award show, uh just type in Bruno Mars Prince Purple Rain. Um or not Purple Rain, I'm sorry, let's go crazy. It <laughs> that was really good. The pre chorus is like are we gonna let D Elevator bring us down? And D Elevator seems like a um, metaphor for the devil, and um, that that's basically what it is. It says, "Oh no, we're not. Let's go." And then chorus, "Let's go crazy. Let's get nuts. Um, let's look for the purple banana, banana until they put us in the truck." Um, <laughs> no idea what that means, to be honest. Um, but I believe he used purple for a reason, just for like, it's it, how royal of a color it is and how, you know, I guess Prince kind of wishes that for everyone listening to this song. Um, next up we have, um, Take Me With You. Take Me With You kind of continues this vibe, um, kind of builds off the momentum in Let's Go Crazy, which is another great thing to do in when it comes to putting an album together. Uh, the chorus here, I don't care where we go, I don't care what we do, I don't care pretty baby, just take me with you. Very sweet, very just well made. This also sounds a little... I guess more poppy in a way. These first two, there's there's definitely more of a rock vibe into Let's Go Crazy. Take Me With You almost sounds like a little Christmassy, like it just it's just joyful and it's 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 almost like a genuine request that he's making to this person. Next up is the Beautiful Ones, which um not gonna lie, it's a song that it's probably one of my least uh, favorites on the album. I mean that's not saying much because I do love this whole album, but. I think it's because it's a little ballad-esque. At this point, it kind of 
it, it, it continues, whereas Take Me With You builds off the momentum of Let's Go Crazy, I think the beautiful ones just, I just kind of stays there. It's a little like reaching out to someone, but it, it's, you know, now we're kind of in a lull of, like a, a little lull of sadness in a way. It feels, it, it does feel a little like, I, I think it makes more sense if you, if it relates to the movie from what I've heard. Yeah, yes, there was a movie for this album. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was much more, it was critically more well received than the, <laughs> Um, stunt Kanye tried to pull recently with the Jesus is King movie and his album, which so many thoughts on that, but that'll happen some other time. But yeah, so there's there's not much. Lyrically, it's a little redundant too. It's still a solid track. It's not something I'd bump out of nowhere, but in the context of the album, it works fine. But next up is one of my favorites, Computer Blue. Computer Blue is, it's just, <laughs> instrumentally, this is wild. It, it kind of, apparently Prince had to, like, edit this one a lot. Like, he removed an entire keyboard solo, apparently, but it, what happens is, it's, it's a very, I mean, I guess it worked, because this is definitely a very, like, clean, sonically dense piece, just, and there's a crazy Prince guitar solo at one point, and my God, Prince! As much of as much as people know him for, like, we need to talk about how good at fucking playing the guitar Prince is, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later in one of my favorite tracks, um, period. But yeah, uh, Computer Blue. It see when I first thought about it, it kind of talked about a metaphor where, because the chorus is just "Till I find a righteous one, Computer Blue." It kind of refers to like I thought it just refers to like the computer startup screen, which maybe i guess refers to <laughs> you see in in today's era i would kind of think like he's watching porn because <laughs> he's on a computer and he's saying until i find the right girl <laughs> I, I don't know that might be definitely might be a stretch for 1984 but um i think it's just talking about like he's okay with being lonely until he does find the right one. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's really isn't. It's something I actually believe in. And um, yeah, it's just instrumentally. This song hits, hits, hits. After that, we have one that I hate. One that I, speaking of just sex, I guess. This is definitely the most openly sex explicit song. Darling Nikki. So apparently this received a lot of criticism upon its release, but it's like, yeah, he's definitely talking about like masturbating, uh, S&M. There's even one point where he says, so he, he basically, he meets this girl named Nikki. hundred percent. I can't look at ever since I heard this song, I cannot look at a girl named Nikki the same any anymore. Definitely. This is the first song that plays in my head. It doesn't. I don't say anything, or it just makes me like, oh, yeah, darling Nikki. So, it, clearly the song sticks with you, because, um, and lyrically, yeah, it just, it definitely kind of comes out of nowhere, where, you know, the album so far has just been, like, purely about love, or purely about these themes, and, and you get lyrics like, um, 
She took me to her castle, and I couldn't believe my eyes. She had so many devices, everything that money could buy. She said, sign your name on the dotted line. The lights went out, and Nikki started to grind. And that's just... Like, I'm not going to lie, I laughed a little bit when I first heard this song. Not because it's not because it's funny, but just it's because it, like... <laughs> it's just kind of raw in that sense. Even though this girl just, like, totally dips after <laughs> they do this thing, the, he ends it with... The last, the last verse is... Woke up the next morning, Nikki wasn't there. I looked all over, and all I found was a phone number on the stairs. It said, thank you for a funky time. Call me up whenever you want to grind. And <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was, in a very, like, explicitly gross song, I thought that was kind of cute. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know, man. This album just does things. It's, um, I just think it's a great song. Um, I think it's an underrated one, honestly. And next up, we have, oh boy. So, might spend some time on this one, but this is... Not only is my favorite song on the entire album, one of my favorites, it's definitely my favorite Prince song, period, and it's definitely up there with one of my favorite, like, lifetime favorite songs, but, um, When Doves Cry. So this was the first single that was released I believe, and um, apparently it was it was definitely inspired by a real-life relationship for Prince. God, this song is just phenomenal. Instrumentally, lyrically, vocally, sonically, just... This is just... This is one of those things where if you don't like this song, I, I don't believe you're a human being. <laughs> it just... Wow. Like, and I don't know what it is. The thing is with breakup music, there's obviously it's easy to fall into sad breakup music. It's, it's very easy. Call out my name by The Weeknd, for example. Great example of a, you know, of a heartbreak song. He's just so torn up. You can hear it in his voice. He's like at the at his Coachella performance. He was like the reverb on the mic was so strong because he was just singing his fucking heart out. But other times, obviously, with sad breakup songs, you do end up sounding a bit shallow. Um, a song I've picked on a lot last year and still continue to pick on and probably will continue to pick on is um, Juice World's Lucid Dreams. It's, it's just whining. It's nothing... It doesn't tell me anything about this girl, what happened, how he made her... How it made him feel it and what he could have possibly made her feel. It just tells me that he's a dumbass that's never had his heart broken before and honestly it sounds like this girl was probably not even that into him or kind of sounds like it doesn't even know he existed um but every now and then people do hit with the happy breakup song or like the liberating one so um one i can think of is uh you don't have to call by usher one of my favorites um is he's just straight up out partying with the guys and he just is telling this girl like i get it you don't have to call that's it um and he's even just in such pure like he's just it's just pure acknowledgement of like yeah shit happens so i'm gonna go do this thing we're mad at each other right now but you don't have to talk to me 
It's almost like a very polite, like, almost like the Southern bless your heart type of thing. It's like a very polite way of saying, like, fuck your shit. I don't want to hear from you. Um, so, um, interestingly enough, another example I can think of this is uh, Lord's Green Light. She, that one's more just purely liberating. Like, it's just so dynamic and so powerful. And that's an example where, like, I can believe, like, she had her heart broken for the first time. But this person lied to her. This person promised certain things and is suddenly just being a chicken shit about it. And Lord is rightfully <laughs> pissed off. And but also understands and doesn't want to offend further and is just saying, fine, I'll be free. I'm waiting for that green light, that type of thing. Prince's When Doves Cry falls into just this insane apex of prime heartbreak music for me because it's all of the above, except the Juice World thing, fuck that. Um, it's, but it's all of the above. Like, And some of these lyrics, I don't know honestly, yeah, the chorus kind of hit me personally, especially when he talks about, when he's, like, acknowledging his flaws and even talking about, like, maybe it's the way he was raised because he says, maybe I'm just too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold. Um, maybe I'm just like my mother. She's never satisfied. So it's just like, ah, God, that hits so hard because it's like, he saw his parents in a crappy relationship. Um, it's <laughs> it's affecting him clearly, affecting his outlook on love. So throughout the verses when he's saying like, there's heat between me and you, like it's just all these things where he says, how can you just leave me standing alone in a world that's so cold? And immediately after he's saying it might be his fault, also might be his parents' relationship's fault, also... Maybe he's just doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. But at the same time, in his music, in this insane guitar solo, probably my favorite period, the dude is just shredding it here. In all of this, it does feel like he's setting himself free. It does feel like listening to the song is liberating. It's it's one of those, like... This is like the effect almost that Beyonce's single ladies had on most girls. This is that song for me. <laughs> like, this is the one that I'm just like, this is what it sounds like when doves cry. Like, why do we scream at each other? Ah, like, it's just, ah, it's, it's beautiful. This, this song, I've been waiting to talk about this song for a long time with someone. And I, I, I played this song at karaoke once and a lot of people didn't know it. And I was so sad. That was the saddest part of my week. Like, the fact that I played When Doves Cry and tried singing to it very badly, and nobody knew what it was. Um, and they were like, I had to remind them, and they were like, oh, yeah. Like, no, remember this song forever, When Doves Cry. <laughs> After that, we have um, I Would Die For You, which is, um, again, another major single. And by the way, all of these singles, every single last one went top billboard top charts charting right away as soon as they were released just just incredible achievement in terms of you know accolades and stuff with this album as well so yeah you have um i would die for you which this one i feel like again this is a little more it, it kind of feels a little bit 
like the beautiful ones, but it's 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 interestingly enough musically and um interestingly enough vocally where I where I don't feel the same exactly the same way as I do about that track and I do about this one. It definitely it's it's just definitely hard to follow up when doves cry for me, but um th this is a very popular hit for a reason. People love this one. Um and I I definitely understand why. Uh, next up we have um, Baby I'm a Star. This one, it's... I think this one also makes sense with context of the movie, but it's... I don't know, apparently there was... How do I say this? Like, he has performed this one before, and it's a very, like... It's not egotistical in a way, but it's just very, like, self-assuring. Chorus here, Oh Baby, I'm a Star. Uh, might not know it now, but ba baby, but I are. I'm a star. I don't want to stop till I reach the top. And then he even says, like, in the background, we are a star. So it's... I like the bridge here, honestly, more. Where it says, everybody say nothing come too easy. But when you got it, baby, nothing comes too hard. That's... It's a very... Again, this is a very, like, self-acknowledging line. Self-acknowledging song, almost. I think this one... It's, it's like, a great... It does serve as a great setup for the absolute crazy just masterpiece that is Purple Rain, the song. And honestly, nothing I say can truly attest to how amazing Purple Rain, the song, is. So with this one, I am just going to let this one play fully towards the end um as <laughs> i'll let it go for like the first minute first quarter or something but this one is this one's a doozy this one is the song in which prince admits to his struggles with self-confidence admits to his struggles with relationships and but also says that purple rain almost seems like it almost seems like like obviously that's not natural but it's Again, it seems like this sense of, like, the world could be ending, but, you know, we've still done the best things that humans do. We've danced, we've sang, we've loved each other. That's that's what this song is to me. And rest in peace, Prince. Um, thank you for gifting us with this, this just phenomenal album that I think, I hope, is remembered forever. Um, I've been wanting to talk about this one for a while, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, game blouses. <laughs> Listening to Sentunes. Yeah, we'll let Purple Rain play it out. <laughs> 